The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. Going through divorce was healing generations of dysfunction and trauma throughout the families, if not through, you know, friends. When we're putting love into a situation, when we're putting gratitude into a situation, we're covering the crevices of maybe generations of dysfunction and trauma and hurt and ways that we're treating each other unconsciously and we're finding, you know, a, a new way of being. And, you know, these are life cycles, everything ends. Everything ends. Your life will end. Your relationships will end. Your business partnerships will end. Mm. Can we just treat it with the, the space and the compassion? Treat it as normal, natural, flowing, beautiful, kind of let's honor mm. those cycles. It's a wonderful chaos. Solo or tandem. We work to find rest and fight to find peace. Both head and the heart. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! I need someone. Today, Mr. Shalef, we have a very special guest. Yes, we do. Tiffany. Harn Songkran. Harn Songkran. Which is, uh, it is from Thai. So it, yeah. it, it is as it sounds. And we are going to talk to her about how to get a divorce. I might call it conscious uncoupling. She calls it conscious divorce. So not yeah. how to get a divorce, but actually the journey and how to hold, yeah. <laughs> hold people there and support yeah. them. How to do it in a way that doesn't screw your entire life up. So we're on with Tiffany today. And what I think what I love about shows like this one is that it's another one where I did my Facebook stalking and she found you, she said, she said she found me, but I didn't know that she found me. So we found another independently of one another. Nice. And so um, and so I saw and she was posting things about how to get a divorce. And I thought and what I loved about it and what I knew at the time was that it has nothing to do with her work. It has nothing to do with a business that she's trying to develop. It was more like. Guys, I've been through this. I know how challenging it can be. So I'm going to put a course together that helps you understand how to deal with it and the challenges you're going to face. So I thought that was really sweet because I like when somebody from a point of necessity creates something as opposed to, hey, I want to make some money. Let me try to figure out how to put something together. And she started this with COVID, she said. And Well, it happened before COVID, but she yeah, yeah. started the course with COVID, yeah, which would have been just about uh, a year ago now. When everyone started getting divorces, as you all, many of you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I said it at first because I remember saying to myself that we will see more divorces during COVID because people have never been needing to be in this close proximity to one another for that period of time. Like, like the time away from one another for that work time, no one realized it served a purpose that I didn't need to be aggravated by you. So and it's sort of wonderful that we've actually like now we get to see can your relationship take uh, take the test of COVID, you know, pass the test of COVID. Correct. And we've also had the show Thousands of Divorces. We did with Denise Light. It was a very good show. If you haven't seen it, Denise Light, a divorce lawyer, and she told us the worst stories of her divorce experiences. And uh, that show got a lot of a lot of views. I don't know why. <laughs> it was a more it felt more like a comedy hour. If you needed to write a script for a sitcom, it felt like that would be probably the good start. You should connect that also to your friend in Netflix. Yeah, that could be another nice show. Like Better Call Saul, another show you I'm sure you haven't seen, but it was very funny. So with that, I think it would be great to bring Tiffany on. Hello, Tiffany. Hi guys. Fantastic intro. As, as per usual, but I got the inspiration of, from Andy of 
how to divorce without screwing up your life. I kind of like that. <laughs> Has a good, you know, good straightforward approach. I had a guest on who um, he he was helping people make decisions. And I named the show How Not to Make Bad Decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, Andy, yeah. I hate this title. <laughs> I can see why he would say that. Um, so on a scale to, from one to 10, how much do you hate your husband right now? <laughs> yeah you know what it's so funny because like he, he's not even part of like my reality until i get some kind of message like you know trying to put the sticks in my wheels and then at that time he's like the equivalent of like the fly the like the really noisy fly that's there yeah. while you're trying to have a meeting and he just won't go away and it makes that buzzing sound and you can't yeah. quite like make you know that that's the level. So I don't say hate. I say like uh, occasional incredible annoyance. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful because I think that that clearly is the reason why you would have separated, I imagine. Oh, at, well, at the time that I separated, it was like, I, I can't say that I hated him, but I kind of felt like he was like holding me back. And yeah. It felt like more like a jail situation than a hate situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, by the way, you know, I, I, you know how I like to joke. So I'm assuming that hatred really wasn't the undercurrent. And if it goes that bad, it's really bad. That was one of the no, it often is. an answer, actually. Yeah, that was one of those questions before the show. I said, don't answer it. That was don't one answer. of the ones. <laughs> uh, so, so I'll answer everything. Just <laughs> thank you. Um, so when you guys separate, was, was it like an open discussion or was it one person running off and leaving the other? in a in a kind of yeah how mutual was this well okay so i i'm the one that brought it up and it was supposed to be mutual and we were supposed to be consciously uncoupling you know we were going to do like the whole beautiful gwyneth paltrow thing where we were going to raise our kids together and have holidays together and you know like be family and at that time i didn't know that he was planning something else behind the scenes so he totally pulled like a bait and switch conscious uncouple slash oh just kidding i'm gonna like try to you know get everything i can do you think that that happened because i've often found i don't know if you've seen the the film and i highly recommend not watching it the marriage story on netflix it's no. one of the most torturous films to watch because uh, bambos give me some space here i know you hate it when i talk about films but what what series <laughs> series um the film deals with a couple that's that's separating and then yeah. one of them goes to a lawyer and the lawyer begins to tell them that they're doing it all wrong so my question yeah. to you is do you think that he was from the start thinking that i need to do it this way or do you think other people started whispering in his ear hey this is the way you need to do this i think you're right i think it was the latter because yeah. You know, when we were kind of still in our little family unit, everything was peaceful and good and, you know, feelings were hurt, but like it was all good. And then when other, yeah, when family members started getting involved, mother-in-laws started getting, you know, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the... That's the issue because when you're a couple, you've Mm. kind of decided we're going to work this out together. But when you separate, all of a sudden, all the influences from the background start telling you how stupid you are for doing it that way. Yeah, it it, uh, kind of feeds on your fear, feeds on your ego death, for sure. Yeah. And you you came from Seattle. That's what we learned earlier. I grew up in Seattle from ages 6 to 24. So those were pretty much my formative years. So I'm pretty like I'm you know, 60% American here. Yeah. So how do you end up with a a French guy? Because we know they're not the easiest to deal with. So how does that happen? (laughs) No offense to any French people. No no offense at all. I am French too. Um, But yeah, like, so he came to the States on a linguistic vacation and stayed with my family. And And my mom was placing the students. He was 15. I was 16. And my mom was the one choosing what homes to put these French kids in for their linguistic stay. And I chose him to stay at our house. Wow. You chose him. Yeah. I got to pick the dossier of the kid that would stay with us. And And you, uh, you sussed him out then. So you wanted, 
you wanted a piece of him before he got to the house. Yeah, I I had looked at his file and he had promised in his file that he was going to mow our lawn, which he never did. <laughs> which should have been an indication. <laughs> Red flag. <laughs> Behavior. <laughs> Behavior. We don't want to see it when we're in love. But afterwards, we're like, you know what? He yeah. never takes out the trash. You know what? He always leaves the dirty dishes and, and on and on. Yep. Ah. No, it, it, the signs were there. I can only blame myself. Yeah. Yeah, but you were also, how old were you? 15? 16. I had just 16. gotten my driver's license. Wow. And so, how long after that did you two get married? So I, I went to study jazz in Toulouse and reconnected with him when I was 19. And then, um, oh, no, sorry. When I was 21 and we were married when I was 24. Okay. So there was some, there was some period yeah. of... How did your parents feel about him? They weren't very keen on him. They thought he was quite immature, but so was I. We, I mean, we were 23 and 24. So, you know, it, yeah. I, I was very religious at the time. So, you know, I was trying to wait till <laughs> marriage. And when you're trying to wait till marriage, like 30 years old just doesn't work. Yeah, understood. No. And how is the relationship? So, oh, sorry. Slow down just, a little bit. How, how are you feeling <gasps> as you're reliving this with us? Uh, it, I feel kind of epic. Like it's, it's somewhat humorous, but also like I've lived three lifetimes since then. Mm. It's literally like regressing into an old timeline. And, wow. and, you know, in this incarnation of myself, it's like looking at a dream. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I asked him to slow down a little bit because I, I'm I'm still with you and catching up on everything that you're sharing and feeling. In a way, yeah. like the the questions are kind of kind of quite too a bit too fast for me hmm. when, when I have to talk about something like that. So I, I didn't want to also. Um, I just want to acknowledge that I, I, there must Thank be a lot you. of things going on. Um. Yeah, I well, I actually find it really hard to inject myself back into that situation and feel the emotions from back then because they're so far removed from my reality today. Mm. Like it was a different me back then, completely different me. Mm. So, so <laughs> what dating advice would you give yourself based on where you are now? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a big one. Dating advice, gosh, it's, I think what gets people stuck in crappy relationships, period, is just lack of self-knowledge and lack of self-worth. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I want to say women especially, but it's just not true. It's like across the board. People, people have such a generic lack of self-worth that they haven't taken the time to really actually admit what they really want in life and who they really are. They're just kind of like trying to check all the good boxes, like the success boxes or the I did things right boxes. Yeah. And, and especially at that age, like especially when you're in your young 20s and you don't know what the hell you're doing, you're just like literally trying to, you know, do all the good things possible because you're just figuring it out. Um, and I, I don't know if at that time I could have figured things out, you mm -hmm. know? in my infantile 20 year old brain. I don't know, but, um, but self-worth would have changed a lot. Self-worth. Mm. At least I would have learned faster. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I also see that I'm, I'm 44 now and as I'm growing in myself and getting to know myself better, I, I think at least I started to mature just a few years ago. I think until then I was still a teenager and in a way you become more conscious about what you want to invite in your life. And I'm not sure it's probably oh, yeah. also to do with, Oh, um, how many more years do I have in my life? So I'm not going to waste them just on filling up the gap. Yeah. I, I totally identify with what you just said. And I think that when you've been through a few cycles of life, a few rebirths and deaths you kind of yeah. start to see the patterns of how things flow and you're you start to go hey actually you know when when i listened to my intuition there you know things were easy and light and fun and beautiful and when i was hustling and, and working so hard to try to do things right over here everything just got screwed up like 
you start to see, hey, I, I need to just like sit with myself and enjoy things and it will, you know, like trust the universe, it will work out. But if, if, you, if you try too hard to figure things out and do things right, you're, you're bound to just kind of like hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, so that's part of it for me is, is I guard my, my energy and my attention like you do fiercely right now. Fiercely because I know how powerful it can be when, when I know what I want and I focus on it, it, you know, and, and then when I don't know what I want and I don't focus, I know what a mess that can be too. Mm. Mm. Like yeah, you're just letting other people decide your, your fate. Your fate. Yeah. Yeah. When you're a single mother with two and then you're having um, your ex, someone that you loved all of a sudden not meeting you where you thought you were meeting, like what's happening for you in that moment? And like, yeah, um, that, you know, that for me was a, a very kind of heavy betrayal because, because I felt like I wanted what was best for him. And I truly wanted us to remain family. I wanted him to have the best life possible. I wanted to support him in that. Um, and thinking that he wanted the same for me as well, realizing that it had turned into some kind of a revenge uh, war situation was so far from my imagination of, you know, how it could have turned. Um, so I, I felt really, really betrayed in that moment. And I think it took me quite a long time to actually digest that betrayal because, you know, when you're divorcing, there are a lot of betrayals that fall into that because there's so many people who, who don't have the space for your divorce because they're frightened at what it might mean for them because they're frightened of maybe their relationship isn't up to par or uh, it's not fitting in with their religious and moral code and they don't know how to interact with you or don't know how to interact with him or, you know, it's just beyond their like capacities. Uh, and it sparks a lot of fight or flight in people. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have, family members having little freakouts, you have friends disappearing, you have, so like that was the, the big betrayal amongst a lot of little betrayals that got me to, got me to a place where I really like had to focus on this as my foundation and my, mm-hmm. my solid rock, um, which I never had to do before. You know, that was kind of an extreme, uh, extreme forcing function, but yeah, I just, uh, it, it's also a little bit sad to to think that even those closest to you or the ones that you've loved the most or done the most for, because I had been so supportive of him for years. I basically built his career um, to have even those people turn on you was a, a realization of, you know, humanity, like we all have such light and we all have such dark and, and, like being in the expectation of both those possibilities in all of your loved ones, in yeah. your mom, in your kids, in your you work. know, in yourself. Yeah. yeah. That, that was like a, a wake up, a wake up call for me. Cause I had been a little bit of a care bear before then. So the thing that which touched me a lot was you and your, like, do we call him X? Yeah. You and your ex had friends in common or people that you both shared as who were dear to you. And in a way they, they took sides, took sides and they, and they never came to check in with you to explore your part of what was happening. They just picked a side based on what he might've said. And that was it. Um, Well, what happened really was I didn't have people really take his side because I'm, the kind of the social person in our couple. So I was the one maintaining all the family relationships, the friendships, kind of the social organizer. But what happened was people just kind of disappeared because they didn't know, like they didn't know which side to take. So they just disappeared. <laughs> wow. They were confused. They didn't yeah. know how to address you as a non-single unit. Exactly. Wow. I mean, I had an interesting moment. We had a guest on a few weeks ago, or maybe it was not that long. I lose track of time now. And it was, uh, and it was uh, interesting because I, uh, the, we were talking to her new partner, 
And I was dear friends with her old partner. So when I got married, I invited the her old partner, who is someone I was much closer to than her, to the wedding and not her. Yeah. But I but I called her directly and said, listen, I'm not inviting you because I don't need that grief in my life. So so Mm -hmm. I stayed in connection with her and we still have regular contact. But I was very aware that I kind of had to choose one or the other. Um, in, yeah. in that invitation, which didn't feel good. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of a, in that situation with contentious uh, couples. And so th- this is part of the reason why I'm so interested in solving this problem and kind of bringing consciousness to where we are, because this, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Like we can respect each other and treat each other compassionately and not have it be you know, a a war of sides. Um, I think it's just, it hasn't been an option so much. And, you know, there are some really amazing attorneys out there who are, uh, who are really conscious people who are compassionate people who want kind of the best, most peaceful outcome for people. But uh, I'm finding for the most part, as far as I've seen, you know, it's a business. It's a business and it's a business that has dominated the conversation. I can tell you like, if uh, I'm buying Google ads or Facebook ads, um, not, not me, but the marketing team, they're trying to figure out how to get the course out in the market. And it is so hard to get the course out because the divorce attorneys have taken all the Google AdWords and Facebook ads to the point where it costs like $25. I can imagine $25 to get a lead. So it's, it's insanely expensive because this is such a, a prolific business, the yeah. business of divorce. And it's just dominated the conversation to make our, our social consciousness be around the idea of court battles. Yeah. Uh, it, it's completely deviate. You know, it, it's kind of like how it's taken over our medical system. It's the same way with family court. You know, this is not mm. the way we should be treating families or the no. people you know, that we love. This is, this is not a solution for us. Mm. I, I would suggest maybe using the word conscious uncoupling and then making yourself the highest on that one. Uh, I, I don't think that the lawyers would like that one as much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like divorce. <clears throat> okay. We got him. Yeah. Uh, just can't use that word. That word is taken. Mm. So, so what was the thing that you needed that you saw that you might've needed during that time that you're offering at this moment uh, with people who are going through the same thing you went through? So when I went into the topic of divorce, as divorcees do furiously Google uh, everything to do with divorce, I was finding a lot of, and I'm I'm going to kind of use spiritual energetic terms, a lot of low vibe stuff, like super like victim, anger, hate, like a lot of low vibe stuff, and which I identified with at the time, but that's not where I was trying to stay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. And then all the legal stuff and the financial stuff. And great, you know, like you can figure out your finances, you can figure out your legal or pay somebody to do it because they make it, you know, impossibly difficult to do. But um, when it came to actually being able to process the emotions, the stuff that was out there was not helpful because it was exacerbating and um, kind of amplifying the negative emotions that were going on and they weren't providing solutions in my mind that were intelligent um Mm. quite frankly speaking it's just a lot of noise so i went to kind of other sources you know i started watching ted talks prolifically and talks about psychology prolifically and talks about uh you know a consciousness and emotional healing and trauma and kind of other topics but that definitely applied to this situation and were able to help me figure out what had just happened and where I was and why I was feeling the way I was feeling and where I needed to go um, in order to rebuild my life. Those were not in the divorce space. They just weren't. So Mm. when my friends started getting divorced, I was just like, okay, you guys (laughs) just, you know, never mind all that stuff. Okay. Let's, let's talk about what's actually going to help you. And Uh these are the things that helped me and seeing how quickly people can shift from like that 
despair and sadness and victimhood and feeling like they've got nothing to look forward to and feeling like they've just totally screwed up their lives um, to a place where they're like, wow, there maybe there is meaning behind what's happening and what happened to me. And maybe like I can pull the gold from it and, you know, rebuild something that looks more like what I really want. Um, and, and, you know, like be thankful even for the lessons that all of that junk afforded me mm. and all of that pain afforded me. I know it takes a little while to get there, but you know, like it doesn't take, I mean, it doesn't have to take that long in six months. You can be well on your way. If you're not, if you're not bombarded with all the other noise and busy with all the other noise. When I asked you, when you got your divorce, you said it started in 2012. It's now 2021. Yeah. Are you legally divorced at this period or not? Yeah. So the good news is that we, we've gotten halfway through the, the divorce process already. <laughs> we, and with COVID, it's, it, the delays are getting worse. Um, so we are, we are pronounced divorced. And okay. now we head into the uh, financial division of assets. Okay. Yeah. But and this, the, but not the child. The no, custody. the kids. Yeah, the custody is decided um, at multiple steps along the way, and the custody has changed several times within these years. Um, and th- the the French court system <clears throat> is reputed for this kind of a you know situation. Like my my ex husband's parents that I had mentioned earlier took 15 years in a highly contentious court battle here. I didn't know that that was even possible until I moved here. That's a lifetime. Yeah. Like your kids are grown. I'm completely flabbergasted. I am blown away. So you're telling me an average divorce in France would be over, say, 10 years. I'd say... I'd say an average one could be around three years. And if you have contention, probably more like 10. But I have a situation where we had international companies. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So don't have international companies and get divorced. Yeah, I understood. You have to like break assets up and then it becomes how you value those assets. And then you have to decide, does one inherit, get that? Or, oh yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. Wow. Already yeah. in one country, it's a mess. Yeah. The one thing we learned that was really quite fun. I don't know. Maybe I didn't learn it on our show, but I, the, our divorce lawyer said there's lessons and she does this tea time. Maybe hmm. the funniest 30 seconds I get in a day where she drinks from a, t- a tea glass and she says, wisdom from a divorce lawyer. And, <laughs> and then she says, um, and then it says something like, uh, like queen bitch or something on the tea glass. She says, basically, oh. no, if you get money black, and it's not reported to the IRS and you want to get a divorce, then you can't go in front of a judge and say, my husband earned that amount because he says, then why didn't you pay taxes on it? <laughs> and so she just yeah. gives these little insights where you think you're beating the system until you have to get the divorce. And then all of a sudden you pay the consequences. Wow. Oh yeah. There are a lot <laughs> of details in that, in, in those financial things. Yeah. Well, we won't get into that. I was lucky because my wife got divorced hmm. before we got married. And I swear to you, I believe that's the reason why our marriage went so well or has gone so well. Because she's had that bad experience. She's had a bad experience. Huh. She, she lives in gratitude for what it is. You know, sometimes she's comparatively saying, well, it's not that bad. So clearly I can almost, I can perform at a 70 and I'm already above the 40, <laughs> you know? So, so, I mean, there are degrees to which I see it's really served our relationship. You know, I, I just yeah. love you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and beautifully, since she's also from the Muslim country, right? You've got the other baggage that she has that once she's been married and she got traditionally married, now all of a sudden yeah. it's already like you're used goods. So basically when we go back to Indonesia, I say, hey, you know, I basically bought, <laughs> I bought used goods. So the parents even are grateful for me because I took yeah. their daughter who actually was in their mind, someone who they weren't sure is, was ever going to find another man. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I got that kind of same reaction in Thailand too. Did you really? It was like, they were like, oh, so you're going to date again? You mean like guys, they don't care that you have two kids and that you're divorced? I'm like, yeah, really not. Like, oh, yeah. that's so nice. <laughs> What nice for you. Yeah. Yeah, like they're angels. They're like saints if they date me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, like, the way me and Andy live life is we'll get a, a little bit of a, oh, I want to do this. Or I, I feel I've got this gift and I want to put it out in the world. Mm. Yeah. So when when exactly did this start to bubble? And when did it actually manifest? Um, yeah, I don't think... I knew that I had anything special mm. until my friends started coming to me. And then, mm. and then I was like, Hey, <laughs> I'm giving them something that is just not out there. And I bet a lot of people are needing this, especially now. Um, and so I just started looking online, like, okay, who else is doing this? There wasn't much out there. And thankfully, yeah. thankfully this year, I'm seeing a lot more, you know, kind of buzz around this, this idea of conscious divorce. But I mean, it, it was like a desert wasteland. I was like, yeah. okay, how, who, who is doing the healing in this situation? Are we just, are we just destroying who's doing, the, you know, or yeah. are we just going to a, basically going to a shrink and doing therapy for ourselves, but not like specifically around the, the process of divorce. So yeah. I was actually shocked that I had anything special And then now when I look at the field of the people that are in conscious divorce, which are not nearly enough people, yeah. I hope there will be an army of conscious divorce uh, teachers and coaches coming and, and attorneys and mediators and all. But, um, you know, what's, what's kind of my special sauce that really nobody was doing was talking about religious shame around divorce and Talking at it, talking about it from like a level of biblical knowledge that you know, because I had grown up so religiously involved in the church, and I had gone to Bible colleges, and I had studied the Bible in like ancient Hebrew and Greek, and translated, and so I was able to like kind of take all that you know the the heady knowledge of deep religion and go, Hey, let's take a look at what it actually says here. And let's talk about religious shame. Um, mm -hmm. and, and there's, you know, that's something that I have deep experience on. I don't see people talking about at to a certain level, they, yeah. they kind of skim the surface, but they're not talking about it at depth. Um, and another one is, you know, I've had the experience of being a non-custodial parent. And being a non-custodial Hold on, mother, slow down. Definition. Can you, can, we need a definition on that one. Non-custodial. Oh, okay. Yeah. So non-custodial parent is when you don't have majority custody or, um, yeah, or, or like when you have a certain amount of visitation. So, so, course, the, so just let us backtrack for one moment. So the government, yeah. I'm assuming at one point <laughs> said, we're giving the majority of time to your husband. Yeah. And they decided that you didn't decide it together. No, we didn't decide it together. So there was a little story behind that because I, as I said, my, my ex had declared war um, specifically, you know, like really went to level 10 when I started dating. So, and, and I found out that that's a pattern. That's a pattern with the people divorcing. Um, so I had full custody of the girls for the first two years. And then I started dating and then he, he had been living in Thailand. So he came back into the country and decided that he wanted custody now. Uh, and so he just, just before we went to court to um, decide on the custody, just like days before he made an accusation that I was trying to kidnap the kids out of the country um, by, because we were meant to go to my sister's wedding in Malta, which is an island, you know, the, in the Mediterranean, not, not too far away, but it was still a flight away. It was still another country. And he was also meant to go. He had also reserved his ticket, but he used that as a pretext in court to say that I was trying to kidnap the kids and they immediately shifted a custody to him, which, you know, it, it is, it is, um, Not a common situation to be in, first of all, for a woman 
for, for a woman to lose custody, um, for, you know, to have accusations of kidnapping, Kelly Rutherford had, had a kind of similar situation. Um, but, you know, to, to have gone from like primary and full custodian of your children to, you know, having custody shifted to somebody who had just moved back into the country, it was like, you know, a, a huge shock to me. And then I had to re, rethink of w- what being a mother is, is going to look like for me for the next, yeah. you know, few years. And how can I, how can I be a good mother having only 33% of the time versus a hundred percent of the time? What an asshole. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Jesus, I need to breathe. That was a, we, we we have a little bit of a low tolerance for injustice. Yeah, we've been just just how people go there. It's just so it's so short sighted. It doesn't take the kids into account and the impact it has on them, and it doesn't take relationship into it. It's all jealousy and rage and vindictiveness, and you know, in the end, it never leads to anything beautiful. It always leads, and, there, and there's no acknowledgement for the actual love that you guys share. Yeah. None of it. Well, yeah, that's, you know, when, when we go into our fight or flight, people do crazy things. You have yeah. to make um, the other person bad so, so yeah, that you, you have can to, justify Yeah, you have to your make, them, make them bad because in doing yeah. that, you can justify anything you do afterwards. It, when there's yeah, love, I, yeah, you, you, exactly. you just can't, you can't bring bullshit into the equation when, yeah. when there's love, right? We like, have some comments that have come in. And we have Sherry, who's really been enjoying us, uh, enjo- uh, joining us, and we've been enjoying her. So earlier on this subject, we said the in-laws and yikes. And I must admit, when you were talking, I immediately thought, oh, my God, I'm sure you have nightmare in-laws that are actually not thinking about the kids' well-being. But how can we take more possession of them? So our apologies that you have to go there. Sherry also says, I didn't marry until I was 40. Yeah, and uh, that, that's yeah, a smart move too. I think that is a very smart move. I I once said if I had gotten married to every woman that I had a relationship for over three or four years, I would have got divorced four times by now. So uh, so yeah, I think the reason I got married to Ronnie was out of convenience. I mean, Round we just of said applause. we just said we've been here. Well, I mean, who's who are we kidding? Let's just finish this. Bola Long in South Africa says yes. I lost many friends and connections because yeah. of the divorce. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's not about you. That's the thing. It's like, you know, it's so easy to take it personally and go, oh, my gosh, my friends are leaving me and my family's freaking out. And, oh, my gosh, it's about me. And you realize, like, wow, they've just, you know, it, it's this story has just sent them into their f- fight or flight mode. Yeah. They're the ones yeah. freaking out about something happening with them, you know, whether it's their history or whether it's their presence. And they're like, you know, if, if, if they can divorce, then maybe I have to think that divorce is a possibility for me. And then I have to look at my relationship and yeah. Yeah. I have to tell you, I've had issues with Ronnie. She started hanging out with divorced friends mm-hmm. and I told her she had to stop. It's contagious. It's not, not even just contagious. The friends were inciting riots because they didn't want her to be as happy as she was. And I'm like, do you see every uh, time? Do you see every time you're going out with these women coming back to our like how unhappy it was, and now you're bringing that shit back into the house? And then she was like, she realized it. It was a, it was an interesting moment because they weren't connecting to the pain; they were stuck yeah. in this animosity and victimhood. So if there's a virtuous, uh, call it uh, uncoupling in yourself, because as you know, you said you called it a death. And yeah. I would and I would agree it is a death. You're mourning the loss of something that you really cared for in your life. Mm. Uh, and if you don't do that, I could see that it's just a, it's painful. It, it's like a huge pothole that a lot of divorcees fall into. And, you know, myself included, I fell into that one for a good, you know, six months to a year, probably of the whole, you know, like, woe is me and my life is falling apart. And I'm, I'm the victim and I wanted to be the victim because that made me the good person. Yeah. Um, And, you know, for a while after I was, you know, seeking to justify myself constantly. And I think so many divorcees just want to stay there. I'm the good person. I'm the victim. They did this, like just staying in the justification of everything instead of like actually healing, moving on and going, well, yeah, like 
there were all those red flags that you were talking about. There really were. Like, and if, if you can't own that, and if you can't own your decisions, you're just gonna do it again and yeah. maybe do it bigger or, you know, until you get the lesson that you were supposed to get. Um, but I, I understand why people get in that hole because they, that we don't have a ladder out. No. Like, we don't talk about the ladder out of that hole. It's just not part of our societal consciousness. No. Yes. It's funny how that is. Now you think about it, the, 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 as you mentioned, there are no courses. I have a question. Bola Long here said, I lost so many friends and connections because of the divorce. I'm wondering, does that mean Bola Long has been divorced? Because we've known Bola Long for a, over a year, every day. We since s- your birthday. Since my birthday. And, and basically, I would be surprised if I didn't know he was divorced. I'd actually feel like I, uh, oh, I didn't no. know an important part of his history. So yeah. Bola Long, please let us know if... Uh, uh, if that's the case there's something really vulnerable also as a as a friend when you see two people that you love getting divorced mm. that that it brings a, an incapacity to like hey guys i love you both and i just feel torn apart and i don't know what to do with this mm. or hey guys um i'm in a relationship and this really mirrors back for me a challenge that i'm having in my own relationship and it's too painful to be in connection with you wow like people to actually share what's happening for them in that moment is tough. So in a way I get it yeah. when people, I mean, when they're pushing away, they're actually saying, I can't deal with this. Yeah. Oh, totally. And, and it's like, completely not personal yeah. by the way. Yeah. yeah. Not personal. And, and also like what you said, the realization that your divorce isn't just about you, like it's affecting everybody in your life and, and, we feel so much pain when we feel that that ripping of relationship. Um, and it's funny because I have quite a few people in my group who are going through like divorces of their business partner, not not marital divorces. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. started a business with somebody, they join their lives with somebody, they join their future with somebody, and then they have um, a disagreement and they tear their lives apart and it's so painful that it's very much like a divorce mm-hmm. and we don't you know we don't have ways of like contextualizing that and going okay when when the ripping is happening how do you repair that rip and be unified and be in communion together without having to have the same relationship like how do you shift mm-hmm. that relationship into something equally beautiful equally loving but a different relationship I mean, I mean, mm. what, what you're speaking to, like when it comes to business, at least, if if the principle of wor- how we work together and how we put ourselves out in the world, interact with our clients, if, th- yeah. if that's not a, if that's not also integrated in the relationships, then I can imagine it wasn't a yeah. very strong business to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um, it it's interesting to like. Yeah, when when you kind of join your identities, <laughs> yeah, your public identities, and then you're you're trying to uh, join the way you're showing up in the world, it is really interesting how you know how we have a hard time shifting out of that too. And I hope and, you didn't. I hope you didn't use your two last names in the business. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> use the daughter's name, but that's yeah. It's, yeah, pretty much the equivalent. That happens all the time, too. Yeah. A, a little check-in. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm happy to be having conversations uh, of this depth. It's rare. Hmm. Well, I'm also asking because, like I said in the beginning, as you're speaking, a lot is, I'm, I'm high empathetic, so I'm feeling everything. And then I take what I'm feeling and I magnify it by 10. Hmm. And then I know how you're feeling. Hmm. Well, it's, you know, if you feel those things physically in the body, it's like a heaviness in the chest of what, you know, the weight of what has happened and the things that have, um, the, the obstacles in life that you've overcome. And, you know, it, there, there's a beauty and there's a sadness in it. Like uh, Glennon Doyle says, life is brutal, you know, brutal and beautiful. And, and um, you know, the... The ability to hold those polarities too is really, for me, key to being happy and satisfied in life. Is being able to look at the brutal and hold it and like 
and, and honor it yeah. um, and not diminish it too. But, you know, it's that th- that's what makes us who we are as well as, you know, no way would I be where I am today in my life and in business had I not run the gauntlet. Yeah. How, how emotionally available are you to men at the moment? Like based on that experience that you've had, how did that impact you in really opening your heart up actually on a, on a one to 10, 10 being mm-hmm. not a problem. I didn't shut down and one being completely shut down that I had to attract someone that I didn't. Uh... Can I, can I also add to yeah. this question? I, I adding to this, I'd love to know like how, did you change as a person into this relationship? So is just in general, like bigger than just maybe emotionally available. Like mm. who were you in that second relation? And that's not a marriage, a relationship now. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Question. Those are good questions. You guys, such good questions. Um, yeah. It, it, so, so the first one was emotional availability and, and I started out pretty harsh you know, like I was, I had given so much in my marriage, I was going to be selfish, I was going to be all about me focused on me, I'm going to rebuild my life, rebuild myself and relationships are like utilitarian or potentially like, um, had entertainment. Got it. (laughs) Or so, you know, like, I, I was really feeding into the whole, you know, men are, men are dogs, men are immature, men are, and it took not me a while to get out of it. Sorry? Not trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah, not trustworthy. I I had spent a lot of time in my marriage as the mom. Yeah. And, and you know, with three kids. So, like, it was a whole process of mm. being able to open my heart and started with taking responsibility for how I had, I had invited a lot of bad behavior. And I'm talking about, like, I, I made the tea, I gave, you know, put out the cookies, like I was seriously inviting some really bad behavior and understanding that I had found a person that was a match to who I was at that time, and how I needed to open myself to a different kind of a match. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I really honor men and love men and respect men, but my standards are so high that you know, for, for me to open myself up to an, a partnership with somebody, yeah, they'd ha- have to be like really, really exceptional person. And so in my relationship now, it's the dynamic is completely different. You know, we're, we're very equal. Another paradigm. Um, yeah, a totally different paradigm. Like I, and, and I'm much less a mom and much more a woman, as you said, you know, actually able to be in my, feminine and be in my flow rather than like constantly in my caretaker and also in your strength as as it sounds like Mm. like you're you're actually so this partner is not afraid of your strength yeah this partner encourages my strength to the point that it's yeah i think it's interesting because he wants me to succeed so much that he wants me to succeed potentially more than him which is very, very different. Like he, re- he really e- expects me to outshine him and he wants to be in that supportive role, which is really uncomfortable for me. Mm. You know, I wasn't used to receiving help or support and I definitely was used to like, you know, being in that bolstering role. So it was, you know, I, I kind of pushed back on it actually for, for a while before I accepted it and enjoyed it. Wow. Yeah, I have the same with Ronnie, by the way. Ronnie, my wife, had the same yeah. uh, first marriage, actually. And then in the second marriage, she was sort of, she, she's often reflected back to me how, how it isn't easy for her to be with a partner that actually would like to see her succeed in ways that are far beyond, you know, whatever I might even think I would achieve and, and not think about it. So for her, as for you, mm. it, it has been hard for her to receive it because it's such a foreign, um, a foreign way of operating. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, when you're so used to being the person behind and the person supporting, you're not exposed and your, your metal isn't tested in the same way. When, when you're the person in front and you're, you know, headed forward, like ramming forward, you're completely exposed. It's a very different position. And I, 
for that, I'm really thankful for people that mm. take leadership roles in families or in businesses or communities because they're, you know, it takes a lot of energy to be the person out there exposed. Yeah. So I've got two questions. The first one is, what has been a very clear thing that you've said no to in your life to be able to say yes to this guy? Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. I'm thinking about it because I've said no to so much. <laughs> I but, mean, but nothing really specifically jumps at you. Like, like this kind of behavior is a no for me moving forward. Oh yes. It, it's just that I had, so many no's at that point, because, you know, when I went into like my dark, my dark cave of reemergence, <laughs> when I separated and started really doing the work on myself, doing the deep, like healing self-development work on myself, I came out with such high standards. And because of the clarity that I had around what I wanted my life to be about and what I wanted to invite into my life, my standards were so high and precise, more importantly, precise, that, you know, 95% of things were a no. Which, which, it, which also narrows the, the how many people, the, the, the potential pool of partners. Well, it really narrows it, but it makes it so much easier to find people because then you know exactly who you're looking for. There is no wasted energy or time and even time itself wrinkles and, and brings, you know, what, what you're asked to you because you've just put out the, the magnetic declaration that this, this is what I want. Wonderful. Um, By the way, I need to say something. This is Bambos's life that you're describing right now. So he's, he's not Ooh. like, he's not saying, Hey, you're me right now. Hey, you're me like right now. Yeah, this is no, everything, everything you say resonates. Like It's that's, like I'm listening to you speak. I'm like, this is exactly what he's been telling me the last months even. Right now. on. And, yeah. And uh, my second question is connected to the title of the show. So how does one get a divorce in, <laughs> in a way where you, where they feel supported? Like, can you, yeah. can you talk a little bit about your role in that? Yeah, so my my mission was kind of to put it out to as many people as possible can we do something fun yeah me and andy are get, me and andy are getting a divorce <laughs> talk to us okay oh <laughs> uh, yeah okay so you guys you guys you want to get a divorce he has not slept with me in over two <laughs> years i'm sick of it I'm sick of it. Well, you gained too much weight. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you guys need a couples counseling, uh, not a not a divorce coach, but yeah, what once you uh, I'd say first, you know, people like decide. De making the decision is like probably the hardest part. And some mm -hmm. people come when they're deciding and then, you know, getting clarity and getting preparation around that. So you, you can both think about that on your own sides. Um, but it, it's a very different mental shift to make from the traditional divorce route. And that, that for me is like number one, you know, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna go down and, you know, start talking to attorneys and uh, figuring out your finances without figuring out, yourself and uh, hmm. and and looking at you know these different topics around divorce like I mean there's so so many different tools that I use to actually do an autopsy <laughs> do an autopsy on what happened but also like just burn the crap away what are what's all the noise going on in your hmm. mind all the lies and all the false beliefs and all the the distractions um, that are keeping you from really like finding the, the gold of, you know, what did you learn and what do you want and who are you? Like, who do you want to show up as? Um, yeah. So yeah, those, yeah. you know, it's interesting. I've done quite a few divorces in my lifetime, not, no not kidding. had them, but Oh yeah. Yeah. It's quite a normal thing. Them. Yeah. And, and, them. and, uh, and the interesting thing is even Bambos's divorce I dealt with, which, wasn't it was a you know i it, wasn't married by the wasn't way. married but it was we did a i did a ceremony which i 
we don't have time for, but I was very proud of that ceremony. It was very beautiful. Oh. Ceremony is so important too, just to, to denote things. Like that's part of my program too, is yeah. just to say, hey, we're going to make a milestone. You know, we're going to mark this. This yeah. is a turning of the page, whether or not like other people acknowledge it for you. It's important to just like be, this is the moment where I turn the page. I'm stepping into the next evolution of myself. I'm leaving what isn't, you know, true for me behind. When you were speaking a moment before Andy uh, interrupted you, <laughs> it just hit me that when people, when people are making a lot of noise and, and like blaming, like the, the yeah. more loud they are, the, the, like I just connected, wow, the more they suffer, the more they're actually suffering yeah. and it's hard to yeah. share, hey, I'm actually suffering that I'm losing you. Yeah, yeah, there's like the, the space in which that happens. When you're so busy up here and you're trying to reason and justify and dissect and, you know, there's all this mental stuff happening that isn't dealing with the, the real stuff happening uh, under the surface, which is, you know, your state of energetic being, who you are in the world. And uh, people get addicted to this activity because they yep. feel like they're doing something when all they're doing is really truly escaping this you know it's it's i mean I'm, if i'm being mean it's kind of like a you know it's like a mental masturbation of what's going on instead of actual healing and, yeah. and finding truth and, and what i was what i was gonna point to actually was that in this so when i am the mediator which i'm never hired for i'm always coming in on the back end and then they say yeah. can you support what I'm always doing is I'm always telling each party that they don't get a project on the other, like unacceptable, like ground rule right. one. What you can do is you can share how it's working for you. And then I can help you figure out how to express it in a way where that you can connect with the other and you don't alienate them. And it's a, it, and in that way, it's sort of like a two parties that are separating, but neither one of them can ever use that projection blame as a tool in their arsenal. So like I put a yeah. like a zero tol like I put I'll put such a zero tolerance on it where I'll say no 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 you like I'll do it like this like a little kid you don't get to do that and then they'll immediately fall back into the discomfort and the helplessness because that's what they're as you said trying to avoid in 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 their in the it just like how bad does it feel to have no control over something that was so much a part of your life it sucks yeah yeah. Yeah, and we need those people in those times when your brain is a washing machine to just go, hey, stop, cut the bull, let's get to the heart of the matter, let's see, let's see it crystal clear as it is. Um, and it's it's really helpful, you know. Some like when I was in that mental spin, I could have used somebody like that to just go, hello, you know, yeah. let's yeah, that's, let's that's, focus. That's the role I usually play in most lives, including my own. <laughs> I'd love to share the ceremony that I did with Bambos, if that's okay. Yeah. Is love that okay with you, Bambos? Of course. So Bambos enjoined a 15-month course that I gave, and the course was called Nothing because we didn't give it a name. We just said, you show up, and if you don't like it, don't show up. People was, paid a lot of money, and they didn't know what they were paying. <laughs> that was the, for, for, it was for 15 months. It was really it was one of these great, great things where everyone participated, and everyone decided what the education was going to be, and it evolved. and. It was really sweet. But in that process, he started with a young woman, um, too young for him, in my opinion. And that's the judgment. <laughs> and 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 whenever he whenever he complained, I never said anything except for one thing. What was that, Bambos? You're dating a kid. No, I said specifically a number. She's 21 years old. That's all I said for like a year. She's 21 years old. She's 21 years old. That's all I would say to him. Like he hated me so, and, he, and as well he should have, by so, the way. So at some point. And, he, and she's a wonderful, a wonderful friend. We're still dear friends. We talk regularly, including today. So there's no, there's no massive uh, animosity. But in the course, they decided to separate. And I, I would say the, the course made it clear that it didn't make sense to be together. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You were and in the in course the, together or just, just you. Okay. He, he didn't want us. I didn't want him. I didn't want him in the course. He's so difficult. You can't imagine him in a course. <laughs> now he's totally perfect. I'd love him in any course, but then. 
I'd have sleepless nights with you in that course. Uh, <laughs> he had anger issues, by the way, just to get that clear. Yeah. And, and those were not easy to address in a way that I felt like I could completely take responsibility because it was even beyond my, it felt it was like it was beyond my pay grade, that feeling. Yeah. Um, and so I brought other trainers in, by the way, to, uh, to make my life a bit easier, which was really nice. But what happened- so thanks to me, the course really yeah, improved. It improved for sure. But the, the thing was, was that on, in, the, in the ceremony, uh, and you used a word which was brutal. Like, mm. I, I did not want to make it any more or less emotional than it should be. Because if it was yeah. just like a nonsensical, I now pronounce you no man and wife, then that would have been comical. It didn't, wouldn't have any resonance. So mm. what, what I, what, when I meditated on it, it dawned on me that I really wanted it to be a journey a little bit in terms of how they came to that point and now where they were going to separate and how they could integrate whatever had happened to that point. Wow. And so basically they, they all had a best man or a best woman to carry them to the, to the altar that was set up. Yeah. And then they, they which, were, which was a board, which was a whiteboard, you know, like a typical, and then mm. they were both asked to write the qualities that they admired in one another. In fact, I just ex- mm. to talking about it makes me want to cry right now. It's really yeah. hard to, it's hard to, because I also feel the emotion that comes up for me while we talk about it. That w- that was probably one of the most difficult moments mm. that he like through the whole course. We uh, we went through everything, mm. but yeah. that moment from was tough because in in the morning, mm. in feeling the morning of saying goodbye to someone that I I love, mm-hmm. I was asked to tap into gratitude. Mm. Yeah. And there was so much move, like the the cloudy, like the anger and wanting to, like that stuff was going on. And I had to find the breath and w- both of us actually take a pen and write what we're grateful for in terms of their qualities. And so she wrote about 30 items. Yeah. And then Bambos came up with like five. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let you do that. <laughs> but uh, they they tore the sheet in half. And then they had to give the qualities mm. to the other person mm. that they that they admired in them. So the mm-hmm. qualities that basically she admired in Bambos, Bambos took, he read mm-hmm. them, and mm-hmm. then he gave them back to her and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And and basically the ceremony ended with just saying, now those qualities that you've so much mm-hmm. admired in the other are now there for you to take with you on your journey independently of them. Yeah, and then that was the that was the sort of I want to cry again just feeling it. But oh, yeah. this was yeah. uh, this was very vulnerable to hear back. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. I didn't realize how emotional it was for me because in telling the story before, I skipped over it, so I didn't feel into how it felt to have gone through it. But yeah, yeah and and I and that what I believed what what you said earlier is that we don't know how to ceremonialize these things in our life. Mm-hmm. And by not doing that, we're not given a time to say that's the end. And now I can begin my own journey of healing. It becomes this stagnant yeah. continuation without any moment. And, uh, and, and I, and I see in society, we haven't learned how to ceremonialize things in a way that allows people to bring closure. And this is one instance of it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's an incredible example of the ways that we need to move forward, you know, as, as, um, as a loving, compassionate society is acts like that are not um, impotent in, in their reverberations throughout, you know, the, the lives of people you're involved with. But I know, you know, for me, going through divorce was healing generations of dysfunction and trauma throughout the families, if not through, you know, friends. It's when we, when we're putting love into a situation, when we're putting gratitude into a situation, we're, you know, we're covering the crevices of maybe generations of dysfunction and trauma and, and, you know, hurt and ways that we're, treating each other unconsciously and we're finding, you know, a, a new way of being. And I wish that we would have these just as, as part of life. Like, the, you know, these are life cycles. Everything ends. 
everything ends. Your life will end. Your relationships will end. Your business partnerships will end. Mm. Uh, you know, like, th- can we just treat it with the the space and the compassion yeah. that it needs to treat it as normal, natural, flowing, beautiful kind of let's let's honor mm. those cycles um, and and bring like you did just love and gratitude into it. It's just like he, even hearing the story is so healing. I'm sure mm. the people watching are feeling you know the balm of healing on their hearts just seeing you model that situation. Mm. Um, yeah. It, I, I just wish that this was mm. part of uh, part of media, part of, yeah. you know, ritual was part of the way we function. There's certain cultures have held on to traditions, but we, you know, we yeah. need like new traditions. Yeah. To also celebrate the moments when things are actually not working anymore. Yeah. Like well, ce- yeah, celebrating, like- celebrating the recognition. Yeah. And that we're here to teach each other. Mm-hmm. That was what was so beautiful in your um, ceremony was acknowledging the other person as your teacher. Yeah. You know, like I was telling somebody yesterday, <laughs> they were really pissed off at me for saying it, but th- that my ex was a soulmate and that his ex was his soulmate because they, they were brought into our lives to teach us some really, really hard, but important lessons that we have taken with us and we've grown through. And albeit I could have taken the lesson much faster, but I didn't. Um, But he gave those lessons to me and they've, they've made me who I am. And that's not just a trite thing to say. I truly am grateful for like the, the things that he showed me in life. Incredible. So I'm, I'm not shy to say that he's my soulmate. I'll just say that I have a lot more soulmates. Yeah. We've come to a, a bit over our hour already. So it was uh, great being with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for this beautiful conversation. Uh, one question I do want to ask before we go, if people want more information or they'd like to join a course or they'd want even a session, I don't even know if you offer that, where would they go to find that? Yeah, I I do take people one-on-one, but really on a limited basis because I want to focus on, you know, putting putting materials out there that are going to help people. So I have an online course, but if you just, if you search for From Divorce to Destiny, you're going to find me because I'm on Facebook, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram, I'm, you know, a lot of places. And um, the only live course that I have coming up is Healing from Religious Shame and Guilt. Um, specifically talking about, yeah, specifically talking about the Christian faith. Um, well, I can tell you, we've got it. We've got at least five shows on that topic, and we've got several okay. people watching right now that have a lot to say on that matter. Thank you. Yeah. Adios. Yeah. Good. Good to speak with you both. Yeah. Thank you. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that.